I mean, E. coli sounds... Picking E. coli is like... I, I love a good vanilla ice cream. Because, like, you do, but, like... I mean, it's the easiest to work with. Was, there's so many databases. Everybody knows everything about E. coli. We've cloned any gene into it. But, like, does that say anything about you to pick E. coli? <laughs> my opinion e coli is an absolute cutie and well renowned in the microbiology field she's easy to understand she was one of the first organisms to have her genome sequenced she likes warmth guts and long walks in your colon (laughs) (laughs) today we're gonna dig into e coli but first caroline i have some news bring the news dana i impulse adopted a kitten Okay, so our dear listeners, Dana have had a cat for a long time living with her, who's like no longer weeks? there. No, no, not the, the kitten. I was thinking about oh, the yes. other cats. So like the, the impulse buying is not just like out of the blue. I know nothing about it's cats. It's not like I have no idea what I'm no, doing. Exactly. I know how to care for cats. We need to like establish this yeah. because don't impulse buy a pet that you know nothing about. Yes. Um, Let me also say like a lot of times when people get pets and that pet like grows like a few years down the road, people are like, these are my regrets. I wish I would have done this with my pet. I wish I would have like trained them this way. I wish I would have like gotten them into the habit of this earlier. So I'm in a really unique position where I get to address all of those. And I'm training her to be on a leash. I'm training her to get her teeth brushed. She already knows to come when I call her. So that my dog doesn't even know that. He does. He just ignores me. The fact that a cat does it even like 10% of the time that is. She's impressive. A, but she does it more. She does it. She does it a lot. She's pretty she's pretty fucking reliable. It's amazing. So um I'm really pleased. Anyway, I have a kitten now. I haven't slept more than so five hours. Not one night in the last two weeks. <laughs> does she like what does she like hit you in the face and just walk on she, you? She one of her favorite games is um when there's a blanket over something, she likes to pounce on motion beneath that blanket. And uh, I wake up to my toes getting bitten. Like, it's it's pretty violent. And her schedule, she really doesn't sleep for more than five hours at a time. So I will feed her at like 10 p.m. And she'll vibe for 30 minutes and then just pass out. Um, and then somewhere in the vicinity of like four, three forty-five, four, she, I, I wake up to her just like r- cat zoomies around the bedroom, and then I wake up and I feed her again, and I usually do some work in the morning, and then somewhere around seven she passes out again. So what I've done is I've been taking naps on my living room floor, because when she sleeps, I sleep. So I have like a. You can't see it in our Zoom call, but we have, I have a little pillow and blanket that I I roll out and just nap on my living room floor in the middle of the day. It's like a human baby. It is very much like a human baby. I cannot wait for her to sleep more than five hours at a time. Or just entertain herself without involving my feet. That would be great. I can't wait for, like, obviously I don't want my dog to get old and sick. 
but I yeah. would very much like him to be a little bit more calm and chill. Yeah. Just a yeah. little bit more. Or just, like, I want her to know when to turn it on and off. Yeah. yeah. Like, maybe don't turn that on at four in the morning. Yeah. I'm okay with four in the morning if you can wind down by nine, but she can't do that. <laughs> She's arrived. Oh, She's just hopped onto the table. Aww. Yeah. Aww. I'm so happy for How have you been, Caroline? Oh, fine, fine. I'm a little bit... Uh, I'm, I'm struggling with motivation for doing uh, stuff. But uh, next week I'm going to, uh, to California uh, to visit a friend and to fix awesome. some uh, passport stuff. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited to do my first ever road trip because I'm a hard grab car now. Um, so that's, that's so awesome. awesome. And we'll I also to go to, uh, to Las Vegas on the way back. So that's cool too. You know, I grew up in Arizona, so I've been to Vegas a lot. It's not that great. Oh, but if, yeah. if you've never been there before and you just only have watched Vegas in the movies and stuff. It's true. And it is, it is a setting. It is, it is an event. Yeah, exactly. We, we won't stay for long. Just like, yeah. Do a little bit of gambling. Yeah. I love it. They have cool rides there, too. Rides? Yeah. And that was my jam, because when your parents drag you to Vegas when you're under 21, the only thing you can really do is go on rides, and they're pretty fun. So, I recommend it. Are you going to spend a night there? I think so, yeah. Cool. Stay in the stratosphere. That's where all the rides are, and they give you a discount if you're at that (laughs) hotel, so. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Look into that. Thank you, Dana. Yes. They think they also have... Oh, God. I think they also have... She stepped on my computer, and I don't know what that did to the recording. So we're just going to keep going. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hello. Um, I think they also have the largest reptile aquarium in North America. Cool. That would be yeah. something for my uh, Benjamin. Benjamin. Just, just love him some snakes. So yeah. Komodo Did I dragons. ever tell we saw we saw a snake in the garden? Yeah, there's a lot of snakes in Boulder in the summertime. What the fuck, man? That's uh. But that's they're a, like, yeah, they're like little water snakes. They're not dangerous. Yeah, it was. We googled it. Apparently, it was called the. What was it? common garter snake or something yeah and it should be very good to have in your garden because it eats yeah. pests so um, yeah that's nice but i was always almost about to drive it over with like a lawnmower I'm so happy no. that didn't happen <laughs> oh Spotted. like not intention not like i found no, a snake no, no. let me fetch the mower oh, man. Um, okay dude i wouldn't even okay. kill geese and i hate geese i wouldn't even kill geese <laughs> <laughs> okay we need to pivot back to yes. Our, so in my head, I was writing the script, and I was like, what pronouns do I use for E. coli? And so I have it in my head that E. coli is gender fluid. So sometimes E. coli will be he, and sometimes E. coli will be she. Sometimes E. coli will be they. We don't I mean, know. It's a toss-up. I guess all bacteria is... Well, I don't know about fluid, but probably just non-binary. Is that the same? That's not the same, right? They're probably non-binary because they can asexually reproduce, so there yeah. is not even like a yeah. Anyways, E. coli, he, she, 
They. They. So, E. coli is not only harmless most of the time, she's actually necessary for proper gut health. So, this is the microbiome talk that we give in a lot of our episodes because we want everyone to be on the same page. But our intestines are covered in bacteria, and these bacteria help us digest food, and they, I think E. coli specifically produces vitamin K2, which is really important for helping our blood even clot. Um, And really importantly, they actually protect that space from colonization by other pathogenic bacterial species because they take up resources and they take up physical space. Like it's a lot harder for a bacteria to colonize a space if there's already a bacteria sitting on it. So having this sort of like harmless or this this symbiotic uh, species living in our gut is really important to protect us from being colonized by like, I don't know, cholera or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so E. coli is like the domesticated microorganism. It's like the dog that lives in your stomach. Like, That's a it's, good analogy. It's a great yeah, 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 because like... You can make it do to- all sorts of things. Yeah, and it had to grow alongside humans, so it's, like, really well adapted to the the human environment and and existing in and around that. So, so because it spent so much time in the mammalian gut, it has learned how... There's, like, so many sounds in the background because (laughs) my fucking cat is just, like... I am just happy that it's not my dog anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe (laughs) night. Okay. Moving on. Um, So because E. coli has spent so much time in mammalian guts, so it's not just humans. Your dog has this E. coli as well. My cat probably. Um, It has learned how to be what's known as a facultative anaerobe, which is a type of bacteria whose metabolism relies on oxygen if available, but not required, which is really cool because it's adapted to live in our lower intestine, like in the colon. So that is the oxygen deprived part of our, of our intestinal digestive tract. Um, and so that makes a lot of sense, right? You wouldn't want to evolve to need oxygen if you, if you live in that environment. So despite how important E. coli is to the health of our gut, there are some strains of E. coli that can cause harm. Have you heard about this, Caroline? <laughs> heard about E. coli causing harm in general? Or e. Like... coli in romaine <laughs> lettuce? Oh, yeah, but also just like, you know, my favorite infectious disease is normally caused by E. coli. What is your favorite infectious disease? UTIs! UTIs! Oh, that's UTIs. right, because it comes you from the butt. Infections, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, they cause food poisoning. Uh, what we call food. I think food poisoning is a really interesting term. Because it's not really food poisoning. It's just... <laughs> it's a bacteria. Like, it's bacteria. Yeah. It's, it's just something went wonky with your gut health. And I don't think... I think the reason I dislike the term food poisoning is because it doesn't address the integrity of the microbiome, which exists as its own extant being. Like, it's important to acknowledge that that is what is irritated. It's not It's not all about you. It's not <laughs> you who got poisoned. Like, you know, chill out, Rebecca. Like, it's not about you. Um, so anyway, E. coli gives symptoms that we have come to call food poisoning. And we'll see sometimes that, like, romaine lettuce and other produce gets recalled because there's contamination with these harmful strains of E. coli. 
But I have a question for you, Caroline. Bring it. Why is E. coli harmless in one sense and super deadly in another sense? How in the world are these the same bacterium? Well, like, there's... I have an okay, answer. I have, okay, I have, to, I have to just like... address something <laughs> that I thought was hilarious. Okay. So I have, uh, alongside Dana, uh, built a website. Uh, That's true. And <laughs> at one point I was looking for pictures of E. coli. So I was at this, um, like, uh, like uh, there is, like, stock image site. And I was, like, looking for E. coli. And then I was looking and looking and looking. And I was fine. And then all of a sudden, pictures of Chipotle just kept coming up. Yeah. And I was like, dude, what? Yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, the whole food poisoning thing. It was just, I just thought it was hilarious. I'm sure Chipotle is I remember that. Yeah. No, no, I, I totally remember that. <laughs> that was like a whole event. Oh. It was a whole freaking event. I don't think so, I was in the country at that point. But yeah, no, I, no, I don't think you were. I don't think you like, were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, tell me about the different types of E. coli. Do you have a theory? Of to why? Yeah. Mm, I mean, it depends. I mean, there, there could be different strategies for bacteria in order to reproduce and... Uh, and like survive, I guess, and one can be to uh, if, if, if go into a like partnership or with the another organism, such yeah. as a human, and live alongside them, and just be like, yeah. hey, I'm here, I'm doing fine. And another one could be like herding something and uh, using their resources, all sources, also like a um, a human, and maybe even making them sick in a way that would uh, spread the disease. So Indeed. being spread in that way. Um, so like evolutionary, both strategies have uh, makes sense. Uh, Correct. I guess. But why are these two evolutionarily distinct survival strategies still considered the same species? It's I'll this... spoil it for you. Okay, it's cop, because bring of it. old. It's because of old white men. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... Oh, a good science go-to why question. <laughs> it's not a go-to. Like, it's 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 the truth. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, okay, no, so. I don't know, but like, I, I wouldn't, I was meaning that, yeah, old white men get credit. And yes. <laughs> this is a trope in, in the science sitcom. Yeah. So because the field of taxonomy, which is the part of science where we name organisms and decide what they are and what they're related to and how we sort of categorize the tree... That field developed before we could perceive bacteria. So people were looking at like freaking birds and plants and like traveling and, you know, we only figured out what a virus was in like 1920 something. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember not uh, that long ago studies from uh, from Denmark about the Spanish flu. Yeah, um, where they just concluded like, yeah, we've been looking at these tests and uh, we can't see anything. It's definitely not bacteria, but it's probably something that we don't know about yet. Yeah, I exactly. Know, right? Exactly. So that happened. We couldn't see bacteria. So we developed the field of taxonomy based on animals we could see with the naked eye. And as you can well imagine mammals and their reproductive strategies and their speciation is going to be really really different bless you thank you from the asexual reproducing single-celled microorganisms that are bacteria and so in mammals and insects to some extent and like birds and reptiles animals that we can see 
we have defined species as two organisms able to mate with each other and reproduce sexually viable offspring, right? And that's why we say that, like, a horse and a donkey are not the same organism because they can mate and they can produce a mule, but the mule is not, the mule cannot go on hmm. to reproduce further. So they are not the same. Horses and donkeys are not the same species. Right, but then there's some, like, some lines are blurred in some cases. There are some animals that weirdly can mate with each other. I think, are ligers sterile? I don't know. They're sterile. That's another example. So the key is that, like, two species are different when they cannot mate. So how does that work for asexually reproducing organisms? The answer is it doesn't. (laughs) So, the... The new adopted definition, which is still really, like, sort of hand-wavy, is that, quote, a species is a monophyletic and genomically coherent cluster of individual organisms that show a high degree of overall similarity in many independent characteristics and are diagnosable um, by a discriminative phenotypic property. This is nonsense, so we're going to break it down for you. A monophyletic cluster is a group of strains that share a recent common ancestor. So you are only considered part of the same species if you derived from a similar species, right? If you But it's like, what, how do you arrive, recent then? I mean, like... Yeah, like if you arrive at a similar conclusion from two totally different lines of the tree, you are not the same species. So you have to have some connection somewhere quite recently. The next part of this is genomically coherent cluster. And this is when you look at the genome, you look at the DNA sequence, and there has to be some similarity in there. There has to be some overlap. So in the same sense, that comes from the common ancestor. If they came from different ancestors and they looked similarly, their DNA would be different because it didn't develop the same way. And we see this all the time where species will develop such that they have similar approaches to similar environments, but they didn't get there the same way. So a good example of this is the flagella in archaea and the flagella in bacteria. They do the same thing. They behave very similarly, but they have slightly different structure because they got to that conclusion differently. Um, And this happens all over nature all of the time. I've heard something about bats in different continents. Oh, interesting. I couldn't understand how there were bats this far, but they didn't. But they seemed similar, but the continents hadn't been like close to each other within yeah. something, and then they just developed parallel with each other, and it was yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole thing, and yeah. so that also has to be another thing. Like you must have DNA similarity, which just underscores that you developed the same way. It it's like basically reiterating you need a common ancestor again. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. You need to show similarity in independent characteristics. This is important because if you're similar like in metabolism only, that's not enough. You need to be similar in metabolism and morphology and you need to have similar, you know, motility strategies. It's not enough to have overlap in one in one situation because then it could have been derived by chance. And that doesn't count as being the same species. Okay, next. A discriminative phenotypic property 
means that the appearance and morphology and the physiology should look different if they are from different species. So if you claim that two things are different species, they gotta kind of not look like each other to some extent or not act like each other to some extent. And this is kind of the difficulty we hit with E. coli because these, that's my cat climbing onto my computer. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, this is one of the big challenges with E. coli because E. coli behaves very differently and looks nearly identical in almost every case. And so that morphology, because E. coli is one of the earliest bacteria that we started studying, that morphology had led us to be like, it's E. coli. But now we know that only about 20% of the genes in a typical E. coli is actually consistent among all strains of E. coli. So that I, is insane. It's wild. It's absolutely yeah. wild. So it it's weird. Basically, like dangerous E. coli looks looks really similar to the native E. coli and acts really similar to our native E. coli. Um, but it also wants to kill us <laughs> because that's how it it advances right and and you yeah. mentioned this caroline earlier that like whatever you know attribute they have whatever enables them to be dangerous is the thing that enables them to pass on and find and colonize more organisms so in the case of you know the most commonly found dangerous quote-unquote e coli um it's a strain called o157h7 and this is the E. coli that has led to the insane recalls uh, amongst romaine lettuce. Oh. Uh, this random series of, of, of letters and numbers uh, is a strain of E. coli that happens to produce a what's called the shiga toxin. And this is just a protein that it secretes that makes you shit your pants. Because if you shit, the more often you shit yeah. your pants, the more you've increased the likelihood mm -hmm. that you're going to find yourself in someone else's gut because of contaminated water sources. Because, Sick. hey, you know, we're only human and bacteria are far superior. Um, so our guts kind of freak out and it induces severe vomiting and diarrhea. Um, but yeah, that is why different strains of E. coli can be super, super different. And there's still E. coli. There. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is, everybody. Um, so we're going to move on from here to talk about E. coli as a model organism. Yeah. That's something and, I find, find extremely interesting because, like, that is way out of my field as a pharmacist. Oh. That's, like, not something that we really do that much. I mean, like, there is, of course, some medical production yeah. Um, where you can use it, but it's not really, it's not something we learn a lot about as a, our basic education. So right. please, Dana, take it away, man, because this so. is cool. <laughs> so let's talk about what a model organism is. When you're working in a lab, you want to work with organisms that you understand before you modify them. You do not want to be you know, genetically modifying or treating bacteria that you don't understand to begin with. Because then you don't really know, like, what is attributed to your interference versus what is native to that bacteria's behavior. And amongst the many different strains of E. coli, we have several strains of what is known as lab strain E. coli. 
And the reason I bring this up in particular is because Labstrain E. coli is like particularly wimpy. It like when you live in a lab, in order to keep a bacterium alive, you need to provide it with sustenance almost in excess. Like you need to kind of baby it a little bit. Um, otherwise, that bacteria is not really going to know. It's a little bit difficult for it to access sugars if you don't provide it with sugars. But that means it doesn't really remember how to access sugars if it needs to in the wild. So you'll see a lot of lab strain bacteria. I think we've brought up this meme before, but it is one of my favorite memes that exists on the internet. But it's like the difference between a, a wild type soil bacterium and a lab strain bacterium. It's like the soil... <coughs> back rills versus a baby's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the soil bacterium is like stupidly buff and like it could eat dirt and still do better than you. And it has survived two separate eukaryotic extinction events <laughs> and like it's it's brutal like it's it's insane it can sporulate like all of these things and then the lab stream bacterium is like mm, i don't really like that ph is that ph <laughs> 7.1 i really prefer 7.6 they're like oh that's not really my favorite sugar or is that tap water i'm allergic <laughs> like i you know like, it's it, a little bit chilly in here we like yeah, it's like a little degree. Chi- like 35 <laughs> degrees. I don't really like that. Can we do 38, please? Yeah, so they're really difficult to work with for that. And and because of that, they like kind of forgot how to colonize the body. Which is like, super smart if you don't want to like... Brilliant. L- yeah. Like by accident let it out at the... Indeed. Stupid stuff. Indeed. Yeah. And so we can work with these bacteria and not really have to worry a lot about our safety because they're really, really weak. Um, <laughs> they couldn't colonize us even if we, you know, drank them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't drink back. Ba- don't. Don't drink bacteria. Don't do it. Um, but that's the thing. It's like it's 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 really wimpy, and and that makes it really easy to work with in the lab because you don't have to worry a lot about sterility in the sense that you're protecting yourself you only really have to worry about not contaminating your experiment um and the the other piece of this is that we we have spent a really long time learning these bacteria and so the first organism not the first bacteria the first organism that we ever sequenced the entire uh dna for was lab strain e coli she, in 1997, she was the first one. It was her. I can't believe it's not longer ago. It's I amazing know. how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. My cat got stuck in my chair. That's she's, fair. She's <clears throat> what? I already fed you. You need to chill. Chill? Oh my god! <laughs> She's attacking my legs. Um, Okay. So, we work a lot with E. coli as a model organism because we know so much about her. I I think I've decided. I think E. coli is a she. So, because we know so much about her, we know a lot of her genetics and we know how we can... We understand what's going on, essentially, anytime we introduce um, something new. Additionally, she's really easy to grow. 
like the lab strain E. coli, she's gotten really used to, to being cultured in a lab. And so it, it it's really inexpensive. Um, and it's not only just like the genome that's been intensely studied, but like her behavior in general has been studied. So we know how to optimize everything that she deals with. Um, and now E. coli is the most widely studied prokaryotic organism, like officially. And it's super important in biotech and in microbiology. And so I wanted to mention that it often serves as the host organism for a lot of recombinant DNA experiments. And so recombinant DNA is when you take DNA from one organism and you put it into another one um, and have it express genes that it didn't evolve with in the first place. And there's some limitations to this. Like in some cases, proteins can only be produced if they, you know, are existing next to a membrane within the cell and bacteria don't have membranes inside the cell because they don't have organelles like human cells do. So there are some limitations, but you know, in theory, bacteria can express genes that we need them to when, if we just transfect them. And this is like the crux of, of, um, what is it called? The field. Metabolic engineering, that's the one. There we go. The one where you play God. Um, this is how you do it. You you work with, with bacteria like E. coli that you really understand well um, and that really don't need a lot of information to make it work. What I want to add here, though, is what it's like working with the drug-resistant E. coli. Because it's kind of similar, but then we also touched on how it's totally not because it was just a bunch of old white guys who, like, drew conclusions about stuff that they couldn't <laughs> see and, like, made the rules um, before, before we knew everything. So, Caroline, how do you think it's different working with a drug-resistant form of E. coli and lab strain E. coli? Oh, you probably have to have more safety uh, measures yes. uh, in place uh, because you don't want to get sick yourself or yes. you don't want to spread it out since yeah it can probably cause more harm and E. coli being a gram-negative uh, bacteria is already uh, resistant to a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, antibiotics mm -hmm. or less sensitive to them anyway um, so yeah safety that's a big one. The other thing is, I've so I work on biofilms. Yeah. Go check out the biofilm episode. Um, I love biofilms. E. coli is actually a really good biofilm former in the wild. Lab strain E. coli kind of gave up its ability to form biofilms <laughs> because biofilms are a stress response in bacteria. So it it, it doesn't really care to form, a, it doesn't need to survive. Like it literally gets everything handed to it. And if you don't give it everything in like the cleanest, purest form, it's just like, well, fuck you, I'm out of here. And it just dies. So it, it doesn't have any. Very, yeah. very much, very dramatic. Very melodramatic. Guess I'll just die. Guess I'll just die. Yeah. Like really brutal. Like imagine, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, so, so they, they're really bad at forming biofilms. I had to find a way to make them grow biofilms, and I kind of did, but then they lost it, like, halfway through. No. They, yeah, so I would be, like, I'll halfway through an experiment, and no. then they wouldn't grow anymore. Yeah. And I don't really know. 
you know, who's in charge of that decision. Like, <laughs> if they have a meeting and they're like, hey, like, we're sitting here forming a biofilm and, and this this wench is just pouring bleach on us. Like, this is ridiculous. Let's stop. How, how, how about... Uh... How about we, uh, what do you call it? They unionized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, my bacteria basically unionized on me. But then the drug-resistant E. coli formed, like, an alarmingly large biofilm. Like, immediate, like, alarmingly so. I was like, oh, God, like, I put (laughs) one drop of you on my lab bench and you've taken over. So... Yeah, it's it's not just like, you know, be safer with it in general. It's like way more aggressive. Like it is a strain that so recently has colonized a human or a mammal that it has not yet forgotten. <laughs> never forgive, <laughs> never forget. Like it's still on its rage at now. Like it's in revenge mode right now. And it's like it, you you wake it up from being cryogenically frozen, and it's just like ah! you can't contain this. You can't. Ah! <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it's awesome working with E. coli, except for when it's not. It's not really that awesome when it doesn't grow a biofilm like you want it to, or it doesn't respond to antibiotics the way you want it to, or when you're working with a version of it that is only tangentially physiologically related to the model organism you've been studying. Um, and then that one is just like violently growing. And that's the thing is like E. coli has a reproduction time under ideal conditions of like 20 minutes. Which, think about that. Like, think if about it had that. ideal condition all of the time, just think about how fast it would be everywhere. Do you know what ideal conditions are for E. coli? You. It's you. You are ideal conditions for E. coli. She and likes warmth, body. moisture, and nutrients. That is your colon, <laughs> my man. So watch out for E. coli. Except for when she's nice. And that's, I mean, maybe we gotta make stickers that are like, there ain't no way E. coli is the same organism in all of these different contexts. Like, yeah. uh, what? It's, it's confusing, right? Because... I mean, you have E. coli. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, um, and E stands for how to pronounce English? Ischeria? Escherichia. Oh, oh, okay, that's completely different. Okay. I mean, you're always <clears throat> prettier. Oh, thank you. I think it's very pretty too, actually. <clears throat> um, but then you can have like other types types of Ischeria. How do you? Escherichia. Escherichia with like a different <laughs> last <laughs> name. Escherichia. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> coli. What are the other ones? Oh, I just googled it. One was Google called it. Alberti, Alberti, okay. and then there's Fergusoni and Hermani. I've heard about Hermani. Um, Hermione. Hermani. Escherichia Hermione. Hermione. Like Herman. Hermione. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like Hermione better. Yeah. I like I like the concept of of Harry Potter themed bacteria names. I'm sure just, there's someone out there, there's like a, some, some really nerdy microbiologist who discovered a new bacterium and was just like, I will be naming this bacterium after. Do you want to hear to something super, super sad? Like, I'm like almost angry. So, um, I used to work at a, um, at a research facility in Denmark, uh, that like research just like bacteria, antibiotics, stuff like that. And 
my department did anyway. And then some of the scientists were in a group that discovered a new type of bacteria. Oh, okay. Like to one with like a new last name kind of thing. Um, and uh, so they had the honor to name it, which is like goals, right? And uh, what honestly. did they do? What did they do? They could call it anything, and they choose to call it the Latin name of the city where the patient who were infected with it were from. Like, come oh, on, dude! That's that's so sad. Like, you could name it anything it, in the world. That's how I feel when people are like, I could name Harry this anything Potter. in the world. I will name it after me. Yeah, exactly. Like, why not? That's E. coli, though, that. apparently. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Named after... Can you read that with with a strong German Austrian accent? Me okay. <clears throat> Theodor Exkirch. Yeah. That was that was pretty good. That was that was really good. Thank you. Well, um, yeah, named after that guy, Theodore. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, like I guess since there was a lot of people on this uh, discovery, I mean you couldn't just choose one. But like, come on, man. It could have been fun. Honestly. Yeah. Honestly. I don't know if you've seen the, opportunity. the the TikTok trend of um, people doing that scene from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Your wizard Harry? It was... Um, what? No, 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 not that one, not that one, not that one. It's at the end where um, Ron is, <laughs> they're like at the chess table and they have to like beat the chess game so that... Harry can advance and fight yeah. Voldemort in in the form of of what's his name? Quit, quit, Quentin, Quentin, Quint, Quirrell, Quirrell, no. Quirrell. <laughs> Was yeah. that right? Uh. Yeah, Quirrell, Professor Quirrell, who's just yeah. had Voldemort's head on the back of his head. It's funny. You should look it up. It's just super exaggerated. Like he's going to sacrifice himself. Like it's it's <laughs> hilarious. Um, Anyway, I the reason I bring that up is because I've covered everything I know about E. coli. I have nothing else to offer, so... Sounds great. That's... Uh, I, I think we got around it well. I think... Do you have questions about E. coli? Hmm. No. Alright. Well, remember, everyone, that if your favorite bacterial organism is E. coli... You, you basic... You, you, you basic. You vanilla. Basic. You, you, you're basically the type of person who says that their favorite flavor of ice cream is vanilla. And with that, I'm going to go get some ice cream. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. We put out podcasts every other week to teach you all about the societal implications of microbiology and health. Keep up with us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also keep up with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at CU underscore armor. We also meet every Tuesday at 2.30 Mountain Daylight Time to do this, but with no filter, and you're welcome to join us. Hold on, is it, are we in daylight or are we in standard? We're in standard, okay. <clears throat> we also meet every Tuesday at 2.30 Mountain Standard Time to do this, but with no filter. Why are you mad, Shane? Just type it. Tell me what to say and take out all of this nonsense. Can we start doing these in person? Okay, daylight. Do you realize that daylight and standard look really similar when mouthed? <laughs> they look really similar! The same, I gotta deliver! Like the same. It was like the exact same thing.
Let's have you see like the 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 clips with deaf people who can like le- read lips. Who who's like? Did you know that like saying this word and this word like looks the exact you same? Played, and you're just like, dude, what? Have you played that game where you <clears throat> you like put headphones and really loud music on, and then someone says something and you have to try to repeat it back? That's like one of my favorite games, and we should absolutely do that sometime. Also, I'm cracking up at the thought of Shane being in a conference room at his new job and people just, like, seeing him screaming at a computer, STANDARD DAYLIGHT! (laughs) Anyway, we meet every Tuesday at 2.30 Mountain Daylight time to do this, but with no filter, and you're welcome to join us. You can email or DM us for the Zoom link. Our email is armor at colorado.edu. If your community has unique needs, we encourage you to start your own chapter of armor. If you want to learn more, you can visit our website at arclabs.org forward slash armor. Thank you for tuning in and have a lovely day. Remember to thank the E. coli in your gut for helping you digest your food. Goodbye, listeners.